You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. This is podcast episode number 1,118. Millennials make up the largest percentage of the workforce, and their assuredness and technological expertise rapidly changes office dynamics. That is what is important to close the generation gap in offices today and to avoid perspective clashes. That's why we've invited author Kelly Riggs to join us to share how you can do this and learn from his book, Counter Mentor Leadership. Kelly, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Hey, great to be with you. Thank you so much. So the subtitle to your book, Counter Mentor Leadership, is How to Unlock the Potential of the Four-Generation Workforce. We're kind of in a unique place in history having four generations at one time in the workplace, aren't we? Absolutely right. You know, in, in very rare cases, you'll actually find even five because we've got the edges in there as well. You know, we've got boomers and millennials and Gen X in the middle. The newest generation coming in is uh, 19, 20 years old. That's Gen Z now, they're calling them. Logical progression, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. Rick, I don't know what's next, like Gen AA or something. But the previous generation to boomers is uh, the, you know, the folks who are, are in their 70s now, and there's just a few of them in the workforce. But I've actually seen a workplace or two where there's five generations, and it, it, can, it can get messy. So I know that you you're the co-author of this book, and so I you know I, I wanted to ask you um, before we get into the formal interview, what was the writing process like writing both you Kelly Riggs with Robbie Riggs? Well, Robbie is my millennial son, and uh, one of the things that uh, we put on the book jacket that he is adamant about is. Uh, he wanted to assure people that no trophies were awarded in the writing of this book. So he didn't get any trophies in the process. But it, it was really an interesting uh, project for us because it really stemmed out of a lot of conversations that we had. My son, Robbie, is, uh, owns his own consulting shop as well. He and a partner have been together for about three years now doing quite well. But as a young millennial in the consulting space, he encountered a lot of the challenges that uh, you know, we boomers talk about all the time, but he saw it from a completely different perspective, from the younger perspective. And so he would come home you know, on holidays and vacations and such, and we would talk about it. And, and at first, even in college, he, he you know, mentored with me. And then over the course of time, these conversations, as he gained wisdom and experience in the workplace, the tenor of those conversations sort of changed, and it was more a bilateral conversation. So the word we came up with was counter-mentoring. I was getting as much information from him as he was getting from me. But we decided to, to write the book. Uh, we, we just utilized the tools that are out there, shared workspace, and we assigned chapters, and then we edited each other's work and kind of created that unique voice. But the book itself also includes very specific references from each of us and uh, we use some very uh, stylish icons in the book when we're trying to make sure people know who's talking about what. Right. We're going to talk about that and the acronyms here in a little bit. I just, uh, I'm glad you gave the overview of, because uh, I think it's a unique. I've had many authors and author teams on the show. I think probably maybe the first father and son that I can recall on the radio show. Wow. So, so let's let's flip a little bit into the content uh, of the book you and bet. kind of your expertise. You know, millennials make up such a large part of the workforce now. Can you tell me from studying the book and working with Robbie, et cetera, how are they disrupting the traditional workplace styles? 
Well, it's, it's such a good question, and, and, and I think maybe we would be better served to ask how they're not disrupting, because it seems like just about every aspect of the workplace is being tested and uh, the boundaries are being moved by levels as they've come into the workplace. As of late 2016, they're now the largest population in the workforce, so they now outnumber both Gen X and Boomers, and they, they really are, are testing everything, you know, work styles, uh, leadership styles, um, the, the way offices are organized from, from closed office plans to open office plans, and now back again in some cases, you know, they're testing, uh, one, one of the big areas they're, they're testing is the traditional eight-to-five workplace. You know, they, they don't need a desk and a chair in order to get their work done, and that is one of the things that creates some of the biggest friction with boomers because many times we equate commitment and we equate work ethic with actually sitting in that chair at that desk in the office. And, of course, in our knowledge economy and with technology, many of those things have gone away. But, you know, they're testing a lot of different things that we have always held sacred from the way you dress to the, you know, when you're there to the style of work and yeah, we've gone very much to collaborative styles because of millennials, and they've been raised that way. So it, it's hard to find a place where they haven't touched. And the generation that preceded them, because it's boomers, Gen X, millennials, now the Z, they didn't have a similar impact on the workplace that the that the that the millennials are having. I know they're not as big as well. Yeah, they're they're not. But you know, originally, when every generation that comes into the workplace is different, boomers tend to forget that when they came into the workplace, uh, you know, the current generation in that dominated the workforce at the time raised their eyebrows and wondered, "Holy cow, is this the end of the world?" Because these crazy people coming into the workplace now. But Gen X was the same way. There, there's a lot of Time articles, different you know, national magazine articles that talked about. Gen X, and they're going crazy, and they're going in a different direction. Uh, but it really didn't catch on like millennials. And my suspicion is, probably validated by a lot of research, is that it technology has really accelerated everything that millennials have done because they're the always-on, 24-7 social media. You know, everything you do and say is analyzed and overanalyzed. In fact, millennials are easily the most overanalyzed generation in the history of the world, I would think. Yeah, and you know, earlier today, because um, you're my third interview here on Critical Mass Radio Show on octalkradio.net, and we were talking with a, a gentleman who's in the travel incentive business, and we were talking about how the impact of having millennials as the largest percentage of the workforce is changing the type of incentive travel that employers want to offer to their people because they're much more experience-based and, you know, doing much more activities when they get to these destinations. So they've been a disruptive force throughout many market segments and businesses. So I'm going to take a break here because I want to get into uh, the, the the acronyms that you've created and how you differentiate between the boomers and the millennials in the book. So can we do that after we take a break, Kelly? You bet. You All right. Bet. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be back with Kelly Riggs after this word from me. Best-selling author Richard Franzi's written what Marshall Goldsmith has called an incredibly poignant foray into the realm of unintended consequences of executives' decisions. In Killing Cats Leads to Rats, Mitigating the Unintended Consequences of Business Decisions, Richard Franzi takes a close look at the impact of unintended consequences on business performance and employee engagement. 
through the retelling of the experiences of executives at Pepsi, Wells Fargo, Kodak, Volkswagen, and many others. Richard paints a compelling real-world account for how executives leading firms of all sizes must do a better job of anticipating and controlling the outcomes of their strategic business decisions. Killing Cats leads to rats is available through major bookstores in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook formats. To learn more, visit www.richardfranzi.com. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. All of our shows can be heard anytime, even the first show I did in March of 2009 with then public relations expert Paul Roberts uh, can be found on any one of these platforms, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, several hundred former guest websites whose CEOs have appeared on our show. Since we started this program, like I said, in 2009, we've reached hundreds of thousands of listeners through the live stream on octalkradio.net and podcasts on those platforms as well as other platforms like YouTube. Simply type in Critical Mass Radio Show into your favorite podcasting software to automatically get the latest shows with great guests like Kelly Riggs, co-author for Counter Mentor Leadership, How to Unlock the Potential of the Four-Generation Workplace. Kelly wrote it with his son, Robbie Riggs, who is a practicing millennial. All right, so we're back here on we're back here on the show and so let's talk about the two acronyms that you and Robbie came up with that you use throughout the book. Can you explain them? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we were all always talking about boomers and millennials and boomers and millennials, and we, we really didn't want to limit it to a generation, but more to an ideal, because what we found in the workplace is that there are many generations that will act like boomers, and there's uh, you know, older people that will sort of act like millennials, and, and, and we didn't want to leave Gen X out. It makes the conversation sort of difficult to have. So we came up with the boss and the kids, and the boss is what we call the boomer, old school supervisor, and so it, uh, it means something very specific. It, it does allude to the boomer, but it's more about mindset, and it's the old school idea of micromanaging and telling people what to do, and it's, it's sort of that idea. The kids, on the other hand, is the know-it-all digital self-promoter, which we kind of, you know, we kind of associate with the kids. They know better than their parents because they have a, a phone and they can ask Google, or they can ask Siri or Alexa, and, uh, you know, they're definitely on the digital side, and they're clearly self-promoters at every step of the way. I've never seen so many pictures of, you know, meals and selfies and every other thing in the world. And so we decided to kind of split it up that way and talk about the boss and the kids. So you guys go back and forth. You talked about having icons, and maybe you can share the icons for each of those two acronyms. Yeah, I, I actually wear a hat all the time, a fedora type of hat, what some people might call kind of a pork pie hat in the old language of the Northeast. And, and Robbie wears a, what he calls an eco-friendly, socially conscious hat. It's a baseball cap. Mm. But, uh, you know, so it distinguishes between his voice and my voice when we actually have commentary throughout the book. And you do, throughout the book, have the asides with the... It's, it's helpful to sort of get your personal views and comments, and you do pepper them throughout the book, which I think is an interesting writing style, which I hadn't seen often in other books that we've had here on the radio show the main things we were swinging for was we, we didn't want to write another boring leadership book. Robbie's words, not mine, but I, but I agree with him. 
you know, there, there's thousands of great leadership books out there. We refer to some of them in, in the book, and we have our own reading list that we think is must must read list for for leaders. But we were trying to to, to write something that was both entertaining and highly practical and actionable. And I and I, I like to think that we, we did that. It's, it's a little bit snarky, a little bit sarcastic, but in a fun sort of way. At the same time, there's a ton of really great content, some very, very good uh, tactics that you can use in the workplace. We're, we're trying to build better tactical leaders instead of talk about leadership as some large ideal, you know, instead of saying leaders need to be, uh, you know, charismatic or authentic or something like that. It's like, no, if you want to be a, a good leader, just some very clear things that you need to better do better on a day-to-day basis. It will definitely improve uh, your leadership and improve your team performance. So maybe we can do an example of that. How is it possible in your research to capitalize on each generation's skills to close the knowledge gap and enhance communications and understanding? Well, the first is, is to really acknowledge that that exists. I, I think some boomers would suggest you know, Rick, I don't, I don't know that millennials have anything to offer, but that, that's, the, the, that's the problem, is, is not to recognize it. This is the first generation to come into the workplace, and they actually have something to offer the workplace. In my generation, Gen X, typically we did not. You know, we were fresh canvas. We were ready to be painted. I mean, we had drive and initiative, and we wanted to move up the corporate ladder. But in terms of offering anything outside of just raw energy, we really didn't have anything. Millennials, on the other hand, they come into the workplace, they know social, they know community, they know collaborative work styles, they're, they're incredible with technology and, and life hacking and growth hacking apps, and, and you know, they come in and they say, why are you doing it this way? I mean, there's like four ways to do it, quicker, better, more efficiently than what you're doing, and, and that's offensive to some boomers. Many boomer managers, they look at it and they go, listen, will you sit down, be quiet, I'll be the leader, I'll be the boss. You need to work your way up the ladder, pay your dues, and you know. And then down the road, we'll listen to what you have to say after you've earned the right. And millennials look at that and they go, well, "You've got to be kidding me!" I mean, you, you don't even know how to use a smartphone, much less, <laughs> you know, actively work around one. So you, you get that you get that dysfunction inside the organization right away because they don't acknowledge boomer leaders. I'm talking about don't acknowledge, acknowledge that there's really something to be had there. I'll tell you this, Rick, Jack Welch, many years ago, I mean, over a decade ago, recognized that the new generation coming in had something to offer, and he ordered all of his executives to pair up with with an up-and-coming millennial and said, I want you to learn as much as you can from them because they're going to change the workforce. They're disrupting it now, and we need to get on board. And uh, they sort of pioneered that idea of spending time with, with younger employees in order to, to grow both as a result. So since since your book has come out, Kelly, are you actively working with companies to help them to implement the strategies and techniques that you have in your book? Oh, absolutely. The, the book grew out of uh, the work that I've been doing for a dozen years. Uh, I, I wrote a book in 2008 called One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and it was the precursor to this. And what, what counter-mentor leadership did, the book was add Robbie's voice and uh, the, the millennial perspective and, and bring more uh, actionable items in, into that that context. And yes, absolutely, we have many, many clients that we work with on a daily basis. And, and what we found is it's it's like, thank you. Finally, somebody comes along. You know, the, the traditional approach has either been, as Robbie likes to say, it's, it's a, a boomer manager writing a book trying to teach a, a boomer how to manage millennials, you know, like there's some special trick 
that you have to learn. And the other voice was from whiny millennials who wanted to say, you need to listen to us because we know something. And, you know, and that's an exaggeration on both ends, but just to illustrate a point. What we were looking for is something that would enable people to recognize this truth that we think is really important. Leadership is not generational. It's relational. Hmm. And generations have absolutely nothing to do with it. You just have to have the capacity to adapt and build that relationship with someone who's different from you and, and learn what they have to bring to the workplace. And if you can do that, as so many boomer leaders have done successfully, you, you can really crush it in the workplace. Are you seeing now with millennials being in companies long enough to be in the first or maybe even second level management roles, how that dynamic is playing out where millennials are either oh. managing other millennials or Gen X and boomers? Oh, yeah. And it, it, it's truly comical in, in many places. You know, they'll be inside of our, uh, either when we speak or when we're working with a company, there's, there's always a few millennials who have already advanced. You know, they're 12, 13 years in, into their generation now, and they've advanced up the ladder, and they're, they're pretty high up in, in terms of management. And many millennials, you know, start their own companies. Right. And there's a lot of really comical material out there about millennials dealing with millennials. And they get, you know, they come face-to-face with some of the challenges that we boomers look at and go, holy cow, this is a train wreck. And, and they say, what in the world do I do? It, it's, it's, it's truly funny to see a millennial have the tables turned on them because suddenly they're complaining about the stuff we complain about, work ethic and initiative and drive and, you know, all those kinds of things. So it, it really is, is not a, a generational thing. It, it's more about learning the leadership skills that allow people to develop their potential and use it in the workforce. Okay, so I want to uh, maybe go back around that question in a little bit more because it is my considered opinion from reading books like yours and others on this subject that that the differences that the millennials are exhibiting are not things that will grow, they will grow out of. They are their expectations, and they will maintain this throughout their adulthood. But in your answer to that last question, I sort of heard that as they get increasing responsibility, they're reverting or moving closer on the spectrum to what the boomer bosses were thinking. Did I mishear you, or are you... Or is, is that what you're saying, that as they advance in their no, career, not, their perceptions change? not at all. I don't think it's an either-or proposition. I okay. think both things exist. I, I think that principally, you know, leadership principles don't change. People's attitudes and behaviors and practices definitely do change, and I agree with you. I think millennials are who they are today. As my son loves to tell me, Dad, if there's anything wrong with us, just remember this. You raised us, all right? So we have to take some responsibility for the fact that we... You know, we, we wanted to take care of our kids. We didn't want them to stumble and fall and fail. And so many times we stepped in front of them. That's where the whole idea of health came from, hovering over their children, not allowing them to make mistakes. And, you know, the experts, the psychologists and social scientists out there say there's a price to be paid for that because failure is actually a good thing. It's healthy. It's great for mindset and many other things. So, yes, they are the way they are because they've been raised that way and they've grown up in that environment. But, but the principles of leading other people don't change, and once they get to that level of leadership, they begin to look around and go, oh, okay, some of this makes sense to me now, mm. but at the same time, there's things that we need to adapt to and understand that the landscape is changing. I will tell you that any leader who does not have the capacity to adapt in, in today's workforce the changing realities of generations 
and technology and the way the workplace has changed, they're, they're going to rapidly become irrelevant. Interesting. And on that point, Kelly Riggs, I have to ask you if someone would be interested in learning more about counter-mentor leadership, how do they find your book online? Where do you say they go? Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you for asking. Uh, obviously, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, all the major booksellers, uh, you can go find it there just simply typing that into the search bar. You can go find it also on our website, countermentors.com. You can find our podcast and our book and, and other information as well. Either one of those is fine. And if someone would like to learn more about the business that you operate, Kelly, can they find it from those platforms as well, or was there somewhere else you would say they should go? Well, specifically, you can go to countermentors.com. Both my son and I have our own uh, uh, consulting platforms as well. Mine is the Business Locker Room. It's uh, bizlockerroom.com, so you can find out much more about me specifically there. And then Robbie's, his consulting place, sanasanoconsulting.com. It's S-A-N-A-S-A-N-O consulting.com. I give him grief. I'm like, you millennials have to make everything hard. I mean, you know, <laughs> let's come up with a simple URL that people can find, all right? That's fun. <laughs> all right. Well, this has been great. I, I enjoyed reading your book. I appreciate the time you've taken to share your insights with my audience and wish you continued success. And thanks for being on the program, a part of the critical mass growing community, and a friend of our program here today. Oh, what a honor. I've looked at your guest list. You've had powerhouses, and to think that we could be a part of that is a real honor. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You bet. All right, I'd like to thank our engineer for today's show, the none other than Paul Roberts, who I spoke about earlier. Uh, oh, he's come so far over these many years. And our producers, without whom we could not do this show, Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. I would ask if you'd like to connect with me on social media. Best way to do that is on LinkedIn. I am Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And uh, let's start there. If you're looking for some great reading this summer as you go on your vacation, may I suggest you pick up a copy of Killing Cats Leads the Rats, Mitigating the Unintended Consequences of Business Decisions. It is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, other quality booksellers. And uh, until the next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi.